everybody. Welcome back to the Suns. Sons of Saturday. Back at you. It's December. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, we are back in action. The regular season might be over, but there is never a shortage of content here. And we always have something to say. Um, a quick shout out before we get into it. Uh, we had the pleasure of reaching out to Ty Hildebrandt and Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal podcast. Awesome podcast. Definitely recommend check it, checking it out. Uh, they cover all of college football. They know so much. They're awesome. We emailed them right when we got started and uh, was just asking for a little bit of advice. And they said, guys, just keep pressing record. Keep pressing record. There's always content and we always got things to say. So who, here we are pressing record again. We got a couple things we want to talk about this evening here. It's uh, it's Monday night, and uh, we're fired up. We're going to talk about the coaching hires, Mr. Hamilton, a little bit of recruiting, Texas to VT, a little bit of Belk Bowl, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of wrestling, um, and it's going to be great. So let me take you into a little haiku action brought to you by Sharky's wing and rib joint where what where what where good friends go Patrick that's where good friends go in case y'all didn't know go get you go get you a little California burger go get you some wings go get you a Long Island iced tea one of the most uh colorful menus in all of downtown Blacksburg so I don't know what you're doing just sitting there get up and go students uh townies and Blacksburg alike it's it's the place to be it's where good friends go you're telling me that they have a Long Island iced tea and a California burger? So they're that, covering coast to coast or what? That is what I'm telling you, Patrick. They uh, are all about the domestic um, the domestic goods, but very widespread with them. They cover a lot of ground. That's some serious culture. I love it. Here's your haiku. Everyone stay calm. It's going to be all right. It's the Justin's show. Bill, what do we got going on? Take us through these headlines. Well, first and foremost, Pat, I need you to give yourself some some credit here, Langston Hughes. Who wrote that hokey haiku? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I wrote it a couple minutes ago, actually. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I, uh, I did not minor in poetry, but one might think I did. <laughs> Very well done, uh, Patrick. Um, so... What's going on in Hokieland? What 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 what's been going on? If you don't own a Twitter, trust me, you're not you're just missing out on a whole bunch of idiocy. But uh, let's roll down the uh, the the uh, the lay of the land here. Belk Bowl, we're going back. We're playing Kentucky. Belk, an actual basketball school. But don't get fooled. They have a really good football team. They got Baby Stoops over there. He's dialing it up, doing a good job. Great fan base. And the last ever Belk Bowl. Will it be the Macy's Bowl? Will it be the Costco Bowl? The Big Lots Bowl? Who knows? But the Belk Bowl is home to one of the best Twitter accounts that there is in college football. The Belk Bowl uh, is home to a Virginia Tech great comeback. And it's in Charlotte. So shout out Bryce, a loyal uh, a son of, uh, of Saturday. And um, hopefully we'll see you at the bowl game as well. Justin Hamilton named the new defensive coordinator of the Virginia Tech football Hokies. Fellas, let's roundtable this a little bit. Grayson, talk to me about Justin Hamilton and how you feel about this. Well, I'm excited about it, Bill. I I posted on our Instagram story last night. By the way, go follow Sons of Sat. 
BT on Instagram. <laughs> Shameless plug. Anyway, um, posted on our Instagram story last night. There was this awesome picture I found on Getty Images of uh, Justin Hamilton, and that's right after he had either gotten an interception or recovered a fumble, and Bud Foster is standing right behind him. And he's kind of got this like look of, you done good, kid, in his eyes. And I think that that is so... As I always say, poetic. Poetic. We got two masters of poetry on this podcast. Masters of poetry. That's right. They call me Shell Silverstein. Bill, to answer your question, um, I'm very excited about it. I think that uh, we had talked about this a little bit, keeping uh, keeping it in the family. People may not like that with convenience hire. Hey, Justin Hamilton is an LPD guy. Love it or hate it. So now we can keep that identity. I don't think that the pail needs to go anywhere. I think Hamilton can keep that thing on the sideline. He's young. He's energetic. And guess what? If you don't believe me, go look at his mic'd up video on the Virginia Tech Athletics YouTube channel, and it might change your perspective if you're a doubter right now. That's what I'm going to say. Boys, how do you feel about it? Justin Hamilton is awesome, okay? We get it. He doesn't have that much experience coaching a, a, a Power 5 program. However, for those listeners out there who were at the Arlington recruiting night at the uh, Columbia Pike Cinema Draft House place, I think this was in February, right after signing day, he had to sub in for Holman Wiggins, <clears throat> who had moved to oh, Alabama. Yes, Alabama. And he did an absolutely incredible job. I don't know when they told him that he was going to be Holman Wiggins' fill-in. Jay Ham, I don't know how much prep he had or whatever. He can work a room. He's funny. He's charismatic. He is super relatable. And he did a tremendous job at this recruiting night in Northern Virginia. as put on by the Nova Hokie Club. It was great. Um... I'm super fired up about Justin Hamilton. I mean, the guy played, like, every position at Tech. He was like Danny Cole. Remember when Danny Cole punted? Justin Hamilton played safety. He played running back. He played, I think he played wide receiver, too. Uh, The guy was a Swiss Army knife, and um, he's super relatable. He's going to be great in recruits' living rooms, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what he does. Bill, what do you think? Both, I think, on the Virginia Tech athletic department agenda and the clown puff armchair athletic director agenda were three things. It was charismatic, check, cruder, check. As you said, the dude commands a room. My first ever interaction with Coach Hamilton was uh, I was walking up the hallway pre-pit game, um, and he doesn't know me at all, knew me by my name, said hello, uh, and you can just tell when he talks, he's not a used car salesman. He's passionate about this job. He's excited about this job, and he just gets it. And I think if it wasn't going to be here, it was going to be somewhere else. Uh, and I'm really glad he's getting that opportunity. And another word that the uh, the Twitter sphere likes to use a lot is culture. And um, he is firmly going to be able to continue that lunch pail culture um, and that Virginia Tech culture. I think he is a excellent fit, uh, and I'm really, really excited about that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about coaching ladders and how that all works out. So, got some nuggets for you. Bill's mad. Here. I am a little mad. Is mad on the internet, yeah. and he's I'm allowed little, to be. I'm he's little, allowed to be mad. 
He played for the team. He knows what it's like in that locker room. Just, you know, we got a lot of loyal listeners who may not like the hire. I don't think they're idiots for it, but I don't think that they're, uh, maybe they're not that smart. They're not smart idiots. Yeah, maybe they're not seeing the bigger picture here. So, yeah. Have you seen Justin Hamilton's pinky? Did you guys see that? Oh, man. No. What, what is this? Oh, On boy. Twitter? You didn't no. see the picture? Oh, my gosh. And then Jay Ham, so he's he's dislocated his pinky probably, you know, 64 times, <laughs> um, clearly. Um, you know, he's a tough guy, hard, smart, tough football player. And uh, in the picture of, uh, I think he was visiting um, Brunson, one of our running back recruits. Uh, his pinky is just like extremely deformed and people were going at him on Twitter and he came back and he's like, guys, I'm about to enter the transfer portal or the Twitter portal, as he called it, because you guys are going at me for my pinky. What's going on? Like, <laughs> so it was hilarious. I'm surprised neither of you have seen that. Um, I have everybody seen listening, go check it out. Uh, Bill has seen it. It'd be like that um, sometimes, man. You dislocate your fingers a couple times. It gets all messed up. It is what it is. As long as it gets, that's not a video game finger. It's not, it's not, it's not that important. Yeah, so anywho, we're fired up about Justin and his uh, pinky. Moving on a lot, right along uh, on the coaching news train here, uh, Coach Mitchell is uh, not going to be returning next year. Coach Burden is not going to be returning next year. And Coach Wiles is not going to be returning next year. Nothing but respect for those three gentlemen. Um, Coach Mitchell did a great job with that defensive backfield, um, including Caleb Farley, who had no experience playing defensive back until he got here. Um, Coach Burden did a great job uh, in recruiting uh, and a great job with Cam Phillips and Isaiah Ford and Bucky Hodges the first year that Coach Fuente got here. He did an excellent job with that wide receiver room. And Coach Wiles, not to go on a tangent here, I have nothing but respect for Coach Wiles. He is a player's coach. Um, he epitomizes Lunch Pale D and um, just has put in, has maximized the talent that he has gotten. And any one of his players would do anything for him. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Coach Wiles, obviously, in my time helping out the defense on the scout team. Um, so it was great to see how he interacted with uh, his guys and how he taught and how he approached his uh, work every single day. But without further ado, Pat has taken the time to go over the statistics here. Uh, and first thing we're going to do is go over uh, recruiting, which is going to be a huge focus of this football team and a big key to success moving forward. Have to find a way to uh, recruit the state of Virginia. And to be honest, we have fallen short in that category. So let's talk about that a little bit, Patrick. Yeah, so most of these guys I'm going to talk about are Virginia recruits from probably like the past six to eight years, um, all defensive line guys that either came out of Virginia or had some type of ties to the program or maybe even North Carolina. Um, But, you know, what I remember is that we were just in the running with these guys all the way, and then they chose another school at the very end. So without further ado, uh, just 10 guys here. Deshaun Hand, number one recruit in the country, Goes to Bama from Woodbridge. Jonathan Allen, Stonebridge, also went to Bama. Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat. uh, We all thought we were getting Josh Sweat. Oscar Smith High School went to Florida State. Derek Nottie, Ocean Lakes out of 757. Uh, 
also went to Florida State. K.J. Henry from North Carolina went to Clemson. Cleland Farrell from uh, Richmond, Virginia uh, went to Clemson. Uh, Jarrell Taylor from Hopewell, Virginia, right outside of Richmond, went to Tennessee. Woody Barron's younger brother, Tyler, who um, is very high on Tennessee right now. I'm not even sure if we're really on his radar. Um, you know, Woody Barron was a lunch pail guy through and through. You know, you talk about a guy who really developed under Charlie Wiles, and the fact that we haven't really been in the running on Tyler is just he wrote a freaking book. He yeah, wrote a book. Woody Barron wrote a book. He's awesome. Um, Tyler Barron is a four-star defensive end. Jordan Williams from Cox High School, where Tavion Robinson uh, went to school. Uh, in Virginia Beach, he went to Clemson, and then Boogie Basham. We all know Boogie Basham, the guy with the cool name, uh, Wake Forest standout on the line, and he uh, did not even get an offer at Virginia Tech, um, so this was just kind of a miss here. He's from Roanoke. He went to Northside High School in Roanoke, so you know we know how effective he's been this year, and you know that's another just another kind of uh, it stings missing out on all this defensive line talent. Uh, what do you guys think as far as, you know, that list of names and just recruiting over the years? Well, you know, Pat, all those names that you just read out, uh, there's a lot of talent in that list of 10 players, a lot of talent, um, a bunch of NFL talent, and then guys who maybe didn't do as hot in the NFL, but still in college balled out. Um, I personally think Coach Wiles has done a great job in his career at Virginia Tech. Uh, I think he has been the, I'll say, the Andy Richter to Conan O'Brien. If Bud Foster was Conan O'Brien, Charlie Wiles would be Andy Richter, or maybe like a like, like an Ed McMahon to, to Johnny Carson, if you will. Just a, a great friend and has, has really developed a lot of guys. Um, but you notice that the guys that he develops almost – aren't the most highly touted recruits. So he hasn't had the most success on the recruiting trail. Uh, he's not getting any younger, and it seems to, it seems to be a, a developing pattern that these young stars, these blue-chip recruits, want to play football for younger coaches. And I don't know if them, um, I'm going to say, uh, parting ways with Charlie Wiles is, is, is in an effort to, to let Coach Hamilton build his staff. I, I, that's the way I'd like to look at it. That's what I'd like to believe and allow him to get some younger guys in there who can recruit a little bit better and relate to these, these high school kids out there a little bit more. Um, so I don't, I don't hate the decision to get rid of Coach Wiles. I also don't love it either. I'm kind of right in the middle. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm torn, boys. Bill, how do you feel about this? I'll say this. In terms of recruiting, stars 100% matter. Getting talent in the building where you have high ceilings and high potential, that is what I look at in, in, in these higher star blue chip recruits. And at the end of the day, recruiting has changed a lot since when Coach Wiles first arrived in Blacksburg. Uh, and the direction of the program now and the success of the program is going to be highly dictated by getting and locking down the state of Virginia, especially now that the University of Virginia has decided to join the party as well. 
So I think moving forward, that is something that is extremely important. And Pat, you're about to talk to this. NFL pedigree is something that kids obsess over, something that kids really care about, and is something that we have to do better across the board. Yes. Yeah, so as far as recruiting goes, like when these people come to Virginia Tech, when these recruits come to Virginia Tech, they say, what can you guys do for me? How can you get me to the NFL? And Wiles has kind of had a, a track record of recruiting undersized defensive linemen. So, you know, size is very important when it comes to the NFL. Sometimes, you know, your college defensive lineman is not going to be, you know, a first, second round draft pick. I mean, you look at Corey Moore and he was one of the best to ever play uh, defensive end uh, at Virginia Tech and, you know, in the scope of college football. He didn't pan out at the next level because, you know, he's undersized. If you want to talk about, Virginia Tech being a pipeline to the NFL, you think about defense before anything. And then when you specialize a little bit more, you think about defensive backs before you think about linebackers or the defensive line. We've had 86 players drafted at Virginia Tech since Charlie Wiles came in uh, in 1996. And... This might be a little alarming. In 24 years, we've only had 13 defensive linemen from Virginia Tech picked in the NFL draft. We'll run it down, uh, starting with Cornell Brown, John Engelberger, Corey Moore, David Pugh, Darius Monroe, Nathaniel Adibi, Daryl Tapp, Jonathan Lewis, Chris Ellis, Carlton Powell, Jason World, Daddy Nicholas, and the latest one being Tim Settle. So 24 years, 13 defensive linemen, and the average uh, round they went in was the fifth round. So if you're a recruit coming out of Virginia Beach, 757 or Richmond, and you see that track record, you might want to look at Alabama. You might want to look at Clemson. You might want to look at Florida State because they have a better track record of putting defensive linemen into the league. Wallace did an incredible job developing talent and developing undersized linemen. But when NFL pipeline is so important, you have to acknowledge all this. One of the other things that was a little bit glaring, recency. Recency is very important. Since 2010, nine years ago, there have been three total Virginia Tech defensive linemen picked in the NFL draft, being Jason Worlds in 2010 in the second round, Daddy Nicholas in 2016 in the sixth round, and Tim Settle most recently in 2018. So between Jason Worlds and, De- and Tim Settle, eight years of drafts, there was only one other defensive lineman drafted, and Daddy Nicholas uh, really has played the role of more of a kind of like a standing defensive end or linebacker. So that being said, Wiles has done a, a tremendous job in his uh, career at Virginia Tech, but um, you know, I'm thinking with this new staff, Jay Ham, Fuente, they say, hey, we need to recruit better. We need to put more guys in the league. We need a little bigger and a little better, and that you know is just the business decision here. Hats off to Charlie, you know. But before we um, before we move on, Pat, I do want to say one more thing. Every name that you just read down, all of those 13 guys who were drafted, um, for those who don't know, uh, who are kind of newer Hokies, a lot of those guys are the cream of the crop 
like some of the best defensive linemen that that Virginia Tech has ever had. Um, now, granted, there have been good ones who have done very well in college, but the cream of the crop on that list, I think of those guys, and none of them have had like really illustrious NFL careers. I think the longest one in recent memory that I can think of is Daryl Tapp. Daryl Tapp was kind of a one-in-a-million guy. He was fast. He had a motor like Corey Moore. He never missed a tackle. He hit harder than Cam Chancellor. Eh, maybe not, but probably as hard. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of that play where he almost took that UNC, uh, I believe, a wide receiver, like his head straight off. It was crazy. Um, but moving into this 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 new realm, this new – uh, regime, if you will. Uh, I, I think youth is important, and I think recruiting is a lot more important now than ever. Virginia Tech has always been a we're going to develop you kind of defense. And you know what? I'm ready to see us start pulling some of these really, really talented kids like the Josh Sweats and the Derek Notties and the Cleveland Farrells because it's time for that. We're good enough. That logo means enough. Our defense has is is storied enough. So another thing that has to be that has to be mentioned is this is an opportunity that Coach Fuente is is getting for the first time to create his own staff. It's going to be of his guys, both sides of the ball, uh, starting with Coach Hamilton. That is his pick, and it's going to be a clean slate. It's going to be um, everything that. Um, he wants to do, and um, that's what it's going to be, whether you like it or not. Um, so we'll start with that. Grayson, Coach Corn is coming back. Uh, he has landed a big-time recruit at the quarterback position. Texas to VT is alive and well. We'll touch on that for a second. Grayson, what is your feeling and kind of uh, what is the leash with Coach Corn Nelson for you and kind of the expectation? Well, Bill, to answer your question about Coach Corn, um, if you take a look at Twitter right now, Twitter's kind of freaking out because people are kind of have the mindset of out of all the people on this on this uh, staff flush out, I guess you could say, how was Coach Corn the one guy who's able to stick around? And I think the answer is relatively simple. I think it's because he and Coach Fu are boys; they're just close friends, and I think Fuente is fiercely loyal to those who have been there with him since the beginning. Uh, Coach Wiles has not. Coach Mitchell has not. Coach Korn has. And so people are like, oh, how did, how did Coach Korn get to stay? Well, that's kind of how. Um, am I happy about it? I'm going to say I'm indifferent. I really am. I If he doesn't improve significantly, if, his, if the offense – does not improve. And I'm not saying that the offense was bad this year. Please do not get that misconstrued. But if the offense is not more consistent and the play calling is we if we don't get outside of this we run six different plays, shout out to Don V type of play calling, I I don't want him to come back next year. I don't. I don't want that. Like Fuente, business is business. Like after next season, I'm giving him. I'm going. I'm giving Coach Corn one more season. After next season, if if our offense is running the same old crap, that that just that just predictable crap, Corn's got to go. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He didn't do as terrible as people say he did this season, myself included. 
If you really look at it by the numbers, Bill went in last week. Go listen to last week's episode, too, because Bill kind of blew my mind, too. I was like, damn, I need to shut up a little bit. But, I mean, <laughs> like, like, like I, I just think Coach Corn for right now, you got to stick with him. Some people may not like that, but you got to learn to live with it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! Ric Flair said that. Coach Corn's not doing a bad job. Uh, I do want to say, I understand the frustrations. I understand it needs to be more consistent. We also need to understand that I read some stupid things saying that we have had inconsistency at the, at the, at the quarterback position. Um, the inconsistency at the quarterback position was due to Gerard Evans leaving a year early, Josh Jackson obliterating his leg, which is not predictable, um, and then having the cojones to move on to uh, Hendon Hooker. And then when you do that, uh, the playbook is going to be shrunk a little bit uh, with his age, the inexperience, of the offensive line. So um, I think I think consistency is something that we're seeking in 2020. I think it's something we're going to find, and I think recruiting is something that has been very interesting. Pat, talk to me about hashtag TX to VT, please. TX to VT has been very very interesting because these Twitter peeps are like freaking out because we're not recruiting the state of Virginia very well. I'm not a recruiter. I don't know how talented the state of Virginia even is right now. I do know that Texas is awesome, and I've seen Friday Night Lights, and they have a lot of good football players. Um, the Texas to VT movement, initiated by Mr. Cornelson, Mr. Corny, Brad, they call him. Demetrius Davis is like... The hottest thing since sliced bread on Twitter. Everyone is hyping this man up incredibly from his uh, Texas uh, state playoff run. He's uh, cutting up defenses like Swiss cheese. And uh, I mean, he's the number one. He's the number one. He's the first uh, Texas to VT guy in this class. Don't quote me. I don't know if that's 100 percent true, but he's the biggest name. And he's ready to bring the rest of the boat here. We got Robert Wooten. We got Alec Bryant both coming this weekend on their official visits. That's going to be awesome. Brandon Campbell, running back, um, is still very high on Virginia Tech. A lot of rumors about how he wanted to commit and the whole Zon Burden thing. I don't know. I guess there's a little bit of shakiness with the current running back's coach position. But... Um, as far as Texas to VT movement here, Demetrius Davis, Brandon Campbell, Landon Watson. Demetrius. Demetrius. Patrick. Oh, wow. Oh, I thought it was Demetrius. 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 Yes. Uh, so these guys are super talented, and they're all interested in tech. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Bill, I know you wanted to talk about our new running back coach. And the whole situation there. Yeah. Let me say one thing before we move on. Really am uh, pleasantly surprised that the Texas to VT, T, uh, TX to VT thing has, has maintained its steam with the Odom thing coming and going. I thought that that played a huge part into that uh, with him being at Missouri and probably very familiar with these players. So uh, I think that's really cool. Uh, and shout out to... Um, Demetrius doing a good job uh, recruiting his buddies. So that's exciting. Here's what I got to say. 
um, a lot of people are upset with the coach Lechtenberg hire at the running back position. Um, they cite lack of experience coaching at the Division One level. They cite him being in more of an administrative role. They cite it as hiring one of your buddies. So, you know, I just kind of want to talk about some stuff here. Um, you know, I like talking about stuff. Here's the deal. Friends hire friends. That's just how it works, all right? If you work at the bagel shop and you need a cashier, you're not just going to hire some random guy. You're going to handle it. You're going to hire your buddy. Mac Brown, when he went to UNC, he hired all of his buddies. Mac Brown, when he went to UNC, everyone's like, are you seeing this staff that Mac Brown's putting together? He's putting together this incredible class. Do you see he brought Dre Bly in, and Dre Bly's going to recruit everybody from the 757? How much, uh, how much coaching experience did Dre Bly have when he arrived at the University of North Carolina. It was absolutely zero. He had no coaching experience whatsoever when he got to the University of North Carolina. Ohio State, they're really good, aren't they, right? Ohio State, they're going to the playoff. They score a whole bunch of points. They're good, right? They're wide receivers. They make a bunch of big-time catches. They're putting up huge numbers. Who coaches the wide receivers over at, uh, over at Ohio State? Brian freaking Hartline coaches the wide receivers at Ohio State. How much coaching experience did he have when he got there? Absolutely freaking zero experience, okay? Barry Odom. Everybody's on Twitter. I want Barry Odom. He's an SEC coach. I really need him to come here. He's got some great experience. He, coaches, he recruits the area really well. What did Barry Odom do? In 2006, before he was hired as the Missouri safeties coach, he was the director of football operations, which is what Coach Lechtenberg does. He did the exact same thing. Aaron Moorhead brought Cam Phillips and Isaiah Ford to the University of Virginia Tech because that's what they tweeted, and we know that that's incorrect. So don't come at me, <laughs> but that's what they tweeted. You know what he did before he was the Virginia Tech wide receiver coach? He was a GA at Stanford. And you know what? I bet being a GA at Stanford, studying comes before film review. So he was doing that. Who else? I'll just run through these. I can go all day long. Lincoln Riley was a GA at Texas Tech for a year before he was the wide receiver coach and coached Danny Amendola and Michael Crabtree, ever heard of him, to a 3,200-yard combined season. Lincoln freaking Riley. Now he's the head coach of Oklahoma, who basically are mainstays in the playoff. Joe Brady was a GA at Penn State. Then he went to be an offensive assistant with, with uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And now he installed the spread offense for Steve Ensminger at LSU. And he's got Joe Burrow throwing lasers all over the field. Kenny Dillingham was a GA at Memphis. And he was the Auburn offensive coordinator in three years. But they don't have as much experience as I want. But you're the same guys saying, hey, let's bring Michael Vick back to coach the quarterbacks. Let's bring Brandon Flowers back to coach the DBs. Stop. You don't know what you're talking about. You're clinging for takes. You guys all want to get retweets. You guys all want to get favorites. You have no idea what you're talking about. You know nothing about Coach Lechtenberg. All right. I know Coach Lechtenberg. He's a likable guy. You have seen him do absolutely zero. Give the guy a chance because you know what? Everybody that has a career somewhere gets a chance and has their first opportunity. This just happens to be his. Coach uh, Fuente did a great job with Coach Wiggins. Where is he? He's at the University of Alabama. Okay, everybody gets their first shot. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, then you can say something about it. But until then, to just say he doesn't have experience, nobody has experience at one point. Give him a shot. And today, Mr. Herbert, Kansas graduate transfer. This guy's very talented. The running back room, it's going to be shaken up. I'm interested to see what it looks like here uh, going into the the next uh, season campaign. 
This guy, uh, Cleo Herbert, played behind Puka. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Puka. Not Puka Shells, Puka Williams Jr., uh, one of the best running backs in the Big 12. Um, 1,000-yard back in the Big 12 this year out of Kansas. Um, Mr. Herbert here backed him up. Watch his film. He's very, very quick. You're going to like what you see. I'm really excited. People like to talk about Lechtenberg. He can't recruit. Who is this guy? Meanwhile, he gets announced as running backs coach, and we got people committing to him on the same day. Um, so go check out Khalil Herbert's uh, his tape, his film. He's got some cool picks on the 50-yard line that he just posted on his Instagram. That was really cool. If you're a running back and you want to play behind a outstanding offensive line, look no further than Virginia Polytechnic Institute. We got Brock Hoffman coming back. He's we got angry. Keyshawn King. We got Khalil Herbert, who's immediately eligible. We got Taj Gary. It's going to be a great year next year, and we're only going to get better. Shout out Jerry Kill. Shout out Coach Lecht. I think you're very undervalued, and that's what I have to say about that. Like, Am I wrong here? Grayson, you're a dream chaser. You're out there in L.A. If someone looked at you and you're like, you're moving to L.A. with no film experience, who do you think you are, Steven Spielberg? Well, guess what? Steven Spielberg was Grayson one day. Pat, you're out here smiling and dialing. Jeff Lawson was smiling and dialing one day. It all happens. Everybody gets their first chance. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way, Bill, because I was thinking about, well, as you were saying this, I'm like thinking of me, and, you know, not to make this about me, but I, I will say this. Almost every successful director or screenwriter some even actors started out as a production assistant, bottom of the barrel, coffee errand boy who gets spit on by the big director. But you know what? The cream rises to the top, and a lot of people will take notice of those people who work hard, and those people rise, and those are the ones who become the most successful. So clearly, clearly the coaching staff sees something in Coach Lecht. Uh, they wouldn't just give him the job if they didn't. What do we always say? What is the golden rule here? What is the golden egg? What is the foundation of everything that we believe in? You know who I really trust? Oh, I know who you trust, Bill. There's this guy. That wit guy. His name is Wit Babcock, and uh, he has made approximately, um, let me see here, zero bad hires. So if he's if he stamped this, I stamp it. Until he gives me a reason to not believe he's doing a good job, he's doing a damn good job, and I think we're in for one hell of a season next year, boys, and I'm really freaking excited to see these guys hit the trail, do some crouton. I can't wait. These guys who don't trust Whit Babcock, and there are people out there on Twitter, super vocal people, don't trust Whit Babcock. They are also the same people who laughed twice as hard at Mike Young than they did at Adam Lechtenberg. Okay? If if you're out here spewing nonsense about how terrible these hirings are, go back to your Twitter feed, go back to your tweets from the first week of April, and I would I would put a couple units on the fact that you guys were probably saying very similar things about our friend Michael Young from Radford, Virginia. Okay? People can say that we're homers all they want. Believe me, we hear we hear the criticism on Twitter 
it doesn't take that much. And this is coming from me to like <laughs> want want to be happy for these new hires and like to 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 be optimistic about them. You know, you're probably thinking like, who are you and what have you done with Grayson? But guys, like Coach Foster, he can't coach forever. Coach Wiles cannot coach forever. And we've seen some things where we need to make a change. And I am embracing that with open arms. Some of it I really like. Some of it I'm, eh, we'll see. But there's no, there's none of these switches I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. What the heck do they think they're doing there in Blacksburg? What the heck does Fuente think he's doing? No. Like Pat and Bill. Am, am I wrong? <laughs> am I wrong, boys? It's not even like you have something to draw from to, to be outraged by a move. I mean, it's not even like there's history to base it on. Um, and look, look no further in, in terms of the Hamilton hire. Go look at how Trey Turner is reacting to the hire. Guys on offense are fired up about the defensive hire. I think I think the culture has been established. I think that there is a, a clear set path. And um, I'm really excited for the direction we're going to go. And look, you guys, that for the haters that are out there, there are no excuses for next year. We got everybody coming back. We're locked and loaded. Uh, and I, I'm really excited for the opportunity that we have, and we're going to embrace it. Pat, go ahead. You got something? Yeah. Twitter is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. It is a dangerous place. No matter what is happening, there is always someone chirping, a squeaky wheel who just needs attention, tweeting negative things. You love Virginia Tech so much. You love Virginia Tech football so much. And yet it makes you this upset. Like, come on. Does this do you need to get this upset over this? Like, if if you really want to tweet out your negative opinions, give them some time and let them prove you right before we all see you proved wrong. Take a breath. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Listen to my haiku again. Pat, we got a big-time wrestling event that we want to make everybody aware of, raise awareness for, um, honestly, one of the best wrestling programs in the country. Pat, what do we have coming up? Yes. So we had two good wrestling showings, one at the Cliff Keen in Vegas, and then four Hokies placed at the Arms Software Patriot Open uh, in Fairfax, Virginia, which was awesome. Had Austin Gable on the show a couple weeks ago. I'm still trying to really, you know, grip onto wrestling, you know, understand the terminology here. But I do know that the annual wrestling match at the Moss Arts Center is taking place very soon. This podcast is going live on December 10th. Well, guess what? Tickets for the Duke wrestling match at Moss Arts Center are also going live on December 10th. Get your tickets. They're $10. You can get them on the Moss Arts Center website. I'm going to guess it's mossartscenter.com. I don't really know the exact HTML. Uh, Students, not sure if there's a lottery or not. I don't know. I don't know if there's a castle guard for wrestling. But get there. It's going to be awesome. Moss Arts Center is a sick place to watch a wrestling match. Uh, So get in there because it's going to be great. Unbelievable. Thank you, Pat, for that. Uh, Definitely show up there. Gotta say, Mike Young, the Duke game, 
really quickly, I encourage people to watch when I'm watching football. I'm I'm not always watching the ball. I pick my favorite defensive lineman. I pick my favorite linebacker. I pick my favorite offensive lineman. Maybe watch Saquon Barkley do some blitz pickup. You need to watch when when Mike Young's offense is running their offense. You need to watch the off ball action. It is nonstop fun. Uh, I think what it really comes down to, boys, and I'll let you weigh in on this. They played as well as they possibly could against Duke. Duke has talent all over the court. They have returning kids that have played meaningful minutes into the month of March and into the late season in ACC minutes. And what it came down to is we ran out of gas. Don't have enough guys that have had enough experience and enough minutes. Um, you may get a laugh out of this. I felt like we really missed Devin Wilson the other night. Just a guy who can come in there, yuck it up. He's real reliable. He can calm everybody down. But a lot of the times in the second half, I was saying, up, oh, we need to take a timeout here. And there just aren't enough timeouts to settle down a young team. But they are getting better with every single game. Wabissa Wasabi Beatty is having an unbelievable year. Takes care of the ball. Not afraid of the moment. Leading that young basketball team. Um, so really proud of the boys. Pat, what are you seeing out of Mike Young and the gang? Mike Young, get your popcorn ready. We were saying, if you, if you're, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I love John Rothstein. He's all about the Rothstein-isms. Rothstein is going to have a Mike Young catchphrase at some point. We're, uh, we're really going for the Mike Young, get your popcorn ready. Uh, so we'll see if that takes off. I love watching this team grow and develop. The fact that we were up against a, a talented Duke squad at halftime is just very encouraging. Not being able to contain Trey Jones. I mean, he had 22 in the Sweet 16 earlier this year. He had 15. Um, I don't know what happened as far as he, he would just hit all these runners and floaters, and he was you know had one of the better games that I've seen him play. I don't know what, um, what was going on there, but, you know... Um, Having more points in the paint uh, than Duke after the first half, having more points in the paint and more rebounds uh, was kind of uh, extremely uh, surprising, but super encouraging. Uh, Tyrese Radford played an outstanding game. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to look forward to with this team. They're only going to get better. Uh, Castle was rocking, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those trust the process things. I, is is basketball really going to tie us over the entire football offseason? Like, uh, not as much as it did last year. But I'm I'm going to tune in for every single game because we are going to see some impressive stuff out of this team. So my Hokie fans, our expectations can be way too high at some points. This is Mike Young's first year for us to be six and three uh, with the losses that we have. Hey man. I'm good with it. We're only going to continue to get better. I'm a firm believer in Mike Young. Uh, these boys, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw, they, they played to the buzzer. They they were down and they kept fighting. They kept trying to score points. There's no quitting them. They play with a ton of heart. Landers Nolly's a baller. Uh, Mike Young is hot on the recruiting trail right now. Hokey basketball. We may not make the tournament this year, but guess what? We're going places uh, here pretty soon. So just keep an eye, keep an eye on, on Hokie's MBB. Letters from the lunch pail. Grant Watson. How much did Jay Ham hire help with the team chemistry and retaining defensive players who may have otherwise went into the transfer portal? Um, Grant, 
I believe Jay Ham again, like we said, is exactly what we were looking for from a culture perspective and an energy perspective. Um, I will say, I stand by this, there are going to be a fair amount of players that um, may dabble, may put one foot in the transfer portal, may go into the transfer portal, may end up transferring again. We said it in our last podcast. It's part of college football now. It's just the way that it's going to be. Even if there's uncertainty at certain positions, someone may want to shop around. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I think the team has a great sense of togetherness. I think they love each other. I think they love playing for one another. So um, I think we just got to kind of let the dust settle and see where everything works out there. Um, Hokies in Bama, Bama, sorry, is the tap scuttlebutt a real possibility? We need to get that guy back in B-Berg. Um, contrary to public belief, unless I'm wrong and fellas correct me. We don't know the internal rumblings of if Daryl Tapp is going to come here. Um, that would be pretty cool if Daryl Tapp would come coach here. Does anybody here have any scoops that uh, that I may not have? Daryl Tapp is at Vanderbilt right now. Uh, we'd love for him to jump ship and take a role here uh, on our defensive staff, whether it's, I mean, I don't know if he would be the defensive line coach or not, but that dude embodied the lunch pail. Grayson said it earlier. He hit so hard, and I would love to see him on the sidelines. It doesn't even have to be the defensive line coach, really. Pat, like you said, man, I'd love to see him on staff. He was a, an absolute animal. Um, I think would impart great wisdom to these kids uh, and, and to the defensive line and just the, the LPD in general. He, he embodies the spirit of of hard work and kind of that blue collar mentality, that blue collar, uh, attitude. And he was teammates with Justin Hamilton. Um, he was on the team at the exact same time. Uh, those, those guys went to war together more than a few times. And I, I think that that dynamic would be pretty special. Those two guys, I think were on the team at quite possibly the, the pinnacle, the peak of the Bud Foster defense, those, those 04 and 05 and 06 teams really were the nitty-gritty Bud Foster defenses. Grayson, do you know what we call a situation like that where uh, everything seems to kind of align in, uh, in tech? What, what, what do we call that, Bill? We call that a seamless integration. Plug and play, out of the box, ready to go. Is that right, Pat? That's right. The- Andy Bird <laughs> says... What kind of hire do you expect for the other two openings that came shortly after the J-Ham announcement? This is the most important thing for me. The 757 is very habitual. It is very closed off. It is very difficult to get a foot in there. I would love to see us bring in someone that is from the 757, has coached the 757, has relationships there. Um, For those who may not follow recruiting as much, the 757 is just one of those weird areas where a lot of it comes down to where are these high school coaches telling kids, hey, like you should go here. It's probably what's best for you. New Jersey is a lot like that in northern New Jersey. Um, it's just certain areas it comes down to who do people like and who would they trust sending uh, kids that value their opinion to these respective schools. So I would love to see us fill one of those roles with a true 757 guy. Fellas, you have any other uh qualms quandaries or uh, suggestions i completely agree with the 757 i mean we we do need to eventually take it back um and same with richmond i mean i feel like shane beamer was like the uh, the big time richmond recruiter and uh being able to address that in the scheme of recruiting is going to be imperative 
the beach was such a recruiting hotspot for for the Hokies for so many years. So getting somebody who has ties there would be monumental. The 804 is equally as important. Northern Virginia is equally as important. Just owning the state and recruiting. The Crab, a.k.a. Karsten. 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 (laughs) Karsten says, outside of the playoff in our matchup, which bowl game intrigues you the most? Love this question. Yeah, I'm going to kick it off here. Um, The bowl game featuring the Texas A&M Aggies and the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys. It's the Academy Sports Plus Outdoors Texas Bowl. Interesting sponsor. And it's uh, in Houston. What's the date? The date's the 27th of December. Uh, this is an intriguing matchup. It's kind of the uh, the oil money bowl. And uh, former Big 12 foes going head-to-head. Gundy versus Jimbo. It's got everything you could ask for. What do you think, Grayson? So uh, a bowl that I'm actually really excited for this year is uh, is the Rose Bowl. It's the number six Oregon Ducks versus the number eight Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, to see Oregon play in such a big bowl game, the Pac-12 champs again, I think is going to be really awesome. Uh, I, I love the Rose Bowl. I love the history around it. Going, being able to go to it last year was awesome. So I'm, you know, the Pac-12 has not gotten a lot of love recently, but I, I think number six versus number eight is going to be really, really uh, special. Has the potential to be. Bill, what do you think? I know it's I'm supposed to pick one, but you're gonna get a little Bill Teague here. Um, the Coach Peterson Bowl I think is really interesting. You got Boise and Washington playing each other, and the Peterson Farewell Tour. Uh, I find that to be quite interesting. I also think that Appalachian State, shout out to Henry Pearson, is getting hosed. They are the best team in the state of North Carolina. They have beaten an SEC team and an ACC team, South Carolina, and North Carolina, and they're going to the New Orleans Bowl. Come on. Come on, committee. What are we doing here? Or commit? I don't even know how they choose these bowl games. It makes no sense to me. The most intriguing bowl to me, though, however, is the Outback Bowl. We get the P.J. Fleckian Minnesota Gophers taking on Auburn and that incredibly stout defensive line. Um, I think Auburn goes undefeated in any conference other than the SEC. That is an extremely good football team. Really excited to see what P.J. Fleck comes up with. Uh, this is a big game for him in his uh, quest to not even rebuild, to build up this program. So uh, great challenge for him, great challenge for Auburn. Seems like every year that uh, that Coach Malzahn is on the hot seat, he comes back and has a great year, and he's in the midst of doing that right now. Um, fellas, that's just about... Uh, Wraps her up. Any closing thoughts here? Any shout-outs? Yes. Closing thoughts. On Twitter, earlier this weekend, there was a little back and forth. And uh, the argument that has been thrown around, it's not one that I agree with at all. It's that throwing money at our problems isn't a solution. And that money is not that important in college football. Money is actually probably the most important thing. Um... I'm looking at a tweet right now. Lane Kiffin's contract at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not a perennial power. I think their stadium is like smaller than most of the ACC stadiums. That's not true. Um, Lane Kiffin, four years, $16.2 million. Lane Kiffin is getting $5.3 million for 10 assistant coaches. 
Okay, ten assistants. That is a lot of assistants, right? Five point three million. 2.2 million for a support staff. So between assistant coaches and support staff, which has got to be like a couple hundred people, $7.5 million for assistant coaches and support staff. I don't know how much Virginia Tech spends on support staff. It is pennies compared to that. Okay. If you're telling me that money does not matter, that is the most irrational take I've ever heard. In my entire life, because money literally makes this business go go uh, go around. It makes the world go round, and you are crazy if you think otherwise. Um, yeah, stamp. Completely agree. Something that we'll definitely cover in uh, in future podcasts, without a doubt. Yeah, we got we got more coming on this money thing. We got more coming on money. We got more coming on hockey club. Like we're uh, we're ready to take the top off this thing. The reason Clemson wins national championships, the reason Bama wins national championships, the reason LSU is on hot on the recruiting trail is many. The almighty dollar. They have the best boosters. They have the best alumni relations. And that's how you win. That's you, Money is so instrumental in winning. You cannot achieve greatness without, without a whole lot of money. It doesn't happen like it used to. So uh, stamp times two or times stamp. three. Stamp. Grayson, any shout-outs? Shout-outs? Um, you know what? I don't have any personal shout-outs, but I will say shout-out to, hey, go get your merch, baby. Go get your merch. It's the holiday season. Uh, we got a lot of great merch out right now on our website, sonsofsaturday.com. Uh, go check it out. T-shirts. A T-shirt's 20 bucks. Long sleeves, a little bit more expensive. We got hoodies with or without a hood. So I guess just a crew neck, whatever. <laughs> um, go get your family some gifts, man. They're great. Uh, they're great gifts. They're so comfortable. Uh, the t-shirts and hoodies alike. Uh, and rip the boys, man. It's so cool to uh, to see people rocking our merch. Like that's so cool. Um, so so that's that's all I'll say on that front. Is is go check it out. Go get yourself something, boys. Stamp, stamp, stamp. stamp. Send pics of you wearing the sauce. Wearing the sauce. We'll post it. You'll post it. Yeah, you'll be uh, spotlight on talent. Some shout-outs here. Um, Eli Manning played well enough to win the game. Pat Shermer's an idiot. Uh, We lost the game in overtime. Uh, Ahmed Hill, (laughs) big ups to you, man. He uh, got his master's degree today, um, which is just incredible. Super happy for that young man. Uh, and Joey Sly got to see him kick this weekend. Also got to see CJ Rivas grab the bite with him. He is in good spirits, doing well with the Falcons as well. Um, so uh, just shout out to everybody, man. We're having a ton of fun. We're kind of figuring out how this offseason thing is going to work, figuring out what we want to talk about. You guys need to help us a ton. Let us know what you want to know. You'll get to know us a little bit. Maybe Pat and I will talk a little bit about uh, technology. Maybe Grayson will talk about, you know, like making movies and stuff or or whatever goes on over on the West Coast because uh, I know it's crazy over there. So uh, you'll get to know the Suns a little bit more. Um, little uh, little uh, little fireside chat with the Suns. So uh, we'll be in touch soon, everybody. We love you and um, take care. Ryu, some-